Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, a broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Cornerstone Financial Consultants are not affiliated. Welcome to the Journey Mindset Podcast. My name is Sean Ulrich, and I'm a financial advisor at Cornerstone Financial in Washington, Missouri. And I am joined today on the Halloween episode by my co-host, Ron Shear. And Ron is a former financial advisor with a wealth of knowledge on all things investing, so we are lucky to have him. Ron, like we mentioned, man, this is the Halloween 2020 episode of the Journey Mindset Podcast. So let's kick it back to some of your favorite aspects of Halloween, or maybe some of your favorite Halloween memories. Well, hello, Sean, and happy <laughs> Halloween to you, or soon to be. We've got a day or two out, that, uh, but uh, you know that's always uh, a very fun uh, celebration, for the, particularly for the young, and uh, I guess for some of those who are kind of young in their minds, but uh, a little bit older in their bodies, they enjoy it too, so... Absolutely. Absolutely. I can think back to when my brother and I were kids. I have an older brother who's close enough in age to me. We would kind of do those combo Halloween oh, yeah, costumes sure. back and yeah, forth. Right. And I think I looked back, we had like a matching Star Wars one back in the day, <laughs> some superhero ones, and oh, yeah. uh, just an incredible time to, to be part of the Halloween culture. And I don't know how we're going to do it this year, Ron, with uh, the socially distancing, but it seems like some people are they're kind of winging it, going out there, wearing masks, and trying to be as safe as possible, and, and trying to have a good time with it. Hey, I got to tell you, if Reese's peanut butter cups are at stake, uh, somebody will find a way, and <laughs> and I'm I'm glad to help. I'll, I'll tell you that I'm glad to help. No, so when it's candy involved, I mean, uh, it, it'll happen. <laughs> Oh, baby. So as you know, Ron, we try to have a lot of fun on this podcast and help people enjoy the process of learning to invest and manage their finances. And I think we'll have a lot of different points to talk on today. But let's start it off by getting your initial thoughts on our spooky headline. When it co- What comes to your mind, Ron, when you think of the scary truth of not investing? Oh, Halloween my gosh. Edition. The scary truth of that is, is... Uh, <laughs> is people wake up one day and, and they've been in, in their job for 25 or 30 years or maybe even longer, and they uh, all of a sudden think, you know, uh, maybe I ought to start to think about retirement. And that's very, very much too late to start to think about it. The, uh, you know, I think you're going to point that out later in this podcast that uh, the earlier that you start investing uh, and you stay consistent with it and stay disciplined, the better off you're going to be. And I think you probably got some numbers that you can share. For that sure. will verify that. For sure. And I know for me, when I think of the scary truth of not investing, you know, I think I think of most people's mindsets. And I think a lot of people that aren't investing may take the perspective of, you know, the only way to get ahead to get ahead in life is to have such a substantial income that they have to out earn everyone. I think that's people that are not investing right now. 
But from our experience, Ron, it tends to be that the more disciplined investors over a long period of time that can consistently count on setting themselves up to comfortably retire are the ones that end up ahead. But it also doesn't hurt to have a high income. You know, that, that, that never hurts. Well, you know, typically we, we found through the years that people who have high incomes also have, uh, they, expend, they spend a lot of money. And yep. I, we grew up in a town here where, you know, years ago there were shoe factories and, and that was the na- main source of employment. Those folks didn't earn a lot of money, but you'd be surprised at how much they were saved. They were yeah. savers, and and uh, and they invested as well, and and particularly in, u- in utility stocks and those types of things. And uh, it's just amazing. It's the discipline and the saving. That's that's what really separates the the men from the boys or the rose from the poison <laughs> ivy, as they say. And that is one thing I love about our town in Washington, Missouri, is the hard work that comes along with it and the saving, like you had mentioned, Ron. So I thought we would focus on five points today, five points, uh, the five scary truths of not investing in today. (laughs) Perfect. Number one would be, if you do not invest, you are not able to keep up with inflation, which in turn causes you to lose purchasing power. So for people to better understand purchasing power, $20 that you have today will be able to buy less in the future because of inflation. Right. So when you lose purchasing power over time, those people that choose not to invest are not allowing themselves to keep up with how our economy operates. And the way that I like to think about this, Ron, is that if the world is constantly moving in a forward direction as far as inflation goes, if an individual decides to stand still or, as we would say, does not invest, they are getting left behind financially in a world that keeps pushing ahead. So, Ron, how do you think about purchasing power? Well, I know that uh, it's, a, it's a very, very, uh, it's an under-talked about subject, I yep. think. The government will come out every year with a, a consumer price index or inflation index, and they, of course then they base the social program, Social Security, on uh, what, what inflation is. And, and I have to tell you that I, I'm a little distrusting of a government that, that will consistently tell us that inflation is running between one and a half and three percent. Now, I'm going to say a person who could tell you probably closer to what the actual cost of living increases are is uh, is a woman who works out in the uh, workforce and then also runs a household. And she, if she buys groceries and she's in charge of the, the company or the family checkbook, she's probably got a better idea of what yeah. actually the cost of living is. And the, the point is this is there are very, very few years in our history that we've had zero inflation. In other words, the process, process, cost of goods and services didn't go up. It stayed the same. It just doesn't happen. There's a cre- an increase built in each and every year, and, and the government will conveniently tell us around 3%. It's probably more around 9%. Oh, wow. And if someone does decide to start their investing journey today or in the near future, they need to understand the benefits of compounding interest. As time goes on, the real growth in your money as an investor comes from the compounding interest or the money that is working for you over a long period of time, as opposed to just the contributions or the deposits of money an individual makes throughout their life. And one famous investor named Phil Town puts it, the stock market is a compounding machine, which I think is a great way to think about it. It is. Our second scary truth of investing is number two, to keep up with the rising cost of health care along with other goods and services, just like you hit on right there, Ron. You know, our second scary reality, and you're listening to the Journey Mindset podcast, 
According to Fidelity.com, the average retired couple at age 65 in 2020 will need approximately $295,000 saved after tax to cover health care expenses in retirement. And man, that's such a such a high number, Ron. What are some of your first thoughts when you hear a number like that that people have to account for in retirement? Well, I think it's it's one of those expenses that that's a hidden expense. Nobody ever really and truthfully plans on becoming ill or getting sick. But it, yeah. if if we have enough birthdays and God gives us enough birthdays, at some point in time, we're going to experience as people in general going to experience some health issues. And we're fortunate to the extent in our country that health services and health care is given and dispensed at the level that it is. Yep. Having said that, it is in a free health care system. And uh, it does have some expenses with it. When you get, meet, reach that magic age of 65 and you go on to Medicare, it, uh, it, your, your situation certainly increases. Or, uh, uh, certainly is helped because the expenses can typically be, be less out-of-pocket expenses. But here again, Medicare, as good as the plan is, you have to be 65 to enjoy it. But there are also expenses that Medicare does not cover. And that's where the $295,000 comes in. And these are not figures that are just pulled out of the air. These are figures based on actual case studies of people who are in that system. And that's about what it takes, particularly. Two things going against you. As you get older, your health care, uh, uh, you, you need more health care because your health, typically that's when health issues do occur. For sure. And according to an article by Tom Sidings of U.S. News titled Take Control of Your Six Biggest Retirement Expenses, he details the six biggest expenses as number one, housing, number two, health care, number three, taxes, number four, transportation, number five, travel, <clears throat> and the number six, caring for kids. And I think all of those expenses need to be taken into consideration when you're thinking about when should I start investing? And sure. we always say the best time to start investing was yesterday. It's yesterday. Moving on to our third scary truth of investing. Number three is delaying your investing can cost you big time. So these are the numbers we're going to get into, Ron, like we mentioned earlier in the right. podcast. So we're going to assume an 8% interest, which is honestly a little bit conservative compared to how the market has done in recent years. It is. So assuming an 8% interest over a 20-year, a 30-year, and a 40-year period of time, that's what we're going to look at, can cause some staggeringly different outcomes. And as always, you know, returns in the market are not guaranteed. But as we mentioned before, historically, according to nerdwallet.com, which is kind of a goofy name, but they have good info, the average stock market return has been 10%. So we're actually shooting a little bit under that to give ourselves some room for error. So let's start off with some of the more challenging situations. And let's just say due to life circumstances, which we know a lot of the times are outside of an individual's control, an investor is not able to get started investing until age 40. So just a little bit later. Sure. If they start investing at age 40 with a $5,000 initial investment planning on an 8% return over a 25-year period of time, and they're planning to retire by age 65, so they have about a 25-year time horizon. Right. In addition, this particular investor decides to make monthly contributions of $500 a month. He can count on, he or she can count on, on an average scenario, having about $600,000, just over half a million saved at that point in time in their life. Which is really, when you think about it, if you're somebody that's 40 and you really feel like, man, what the heck am I going to do for retirement? I mean, this is something that can at least give you some hope. Right. And now... 
looking at this specific scenario at age 40, we're using a Monte Carlo simulation, mm-hmm. which simulates the market a thousand times over. And the average scenario gives us that $600,000 mark. And our hope today is that, Ron, if somebody finds himself in a situation like this, that they still can have hope to set some money aside for their retirement. Well, that's exactly mm-hmm. right. It's never, you know, it's the ideal scenario, Sean, is to start early and stay mm-hmm. late. I mean, that's the optimum. Yep. But, uh, you know, there's no sooner or better time to, if you don't have a retirement plan or investment plan, there's no better time to start than today. I mean, it, yep. don't put it off another day. And that's the best advice that, that I think anybody in our business would uh, uh, would give a, an individual investor, or at least they should give them that advice. Absolutely. And uh, so looking again, let's take a look at an investor that started investing at age 30, making that exact same contribution. If an investor started at age 30 with a $5,000 initial investment, making $500 monthly contributions at 8% annual interest over a 35-year period of time, reaching that same age of 65, an investor could estimate seeing close to a million and a half dollars by the time they get retired. And when you have a million and a half dollars by the time they reach retirement, that's a sum of money I think any individual would appreciate working towards. Sure. Now, the last scenario, the one that should give us the most fired up, is looking at an investor that is able to get started at age 20, so even 10 years earlier. And if they also started with a $5,000 initial investment, the crazy thing is we're going to only have this investor contribute $300 a month. Right, a little less. A little bit less than the other two that we looked at over a 45-year period of time on that same time horizon, aiming to retire at age 65. And this investor, just like the other two, is estimating an 8% return on their money over that period of time. The average Monte Carlo simulation, and obviously no guarantees are returned, shows this investor at having close to $2 million in that scenario by the time they reach age 65. Right. And the hard truth when looking at numbers, Ron, is that an earlier an investor gets to start, the easier their investing journey is going to be on their monthly budgets. So just recapping our three scenarios, the first investor at age 40 that invested $500 over a 25-year period of time ended up with just over $500,000 saved for retirement, which is really good. An investor that started at age 30 that saved $500 a month ended up at $1.5, a million and a half dollars over a long period of time, over 35 years. But the best case scenario is the investor that started at age 20 and invested much less than the other two, only $300 a month, but ended up at close to $2 million in the average scenario by the time they hit retirement. So as we can see, starting earlier can be a huge, it can literally save somebody millions of dollars in the long run by the time they reach retirement. Scary truths of investing, baby. Moving on to number four. Pulling your money at the market on the wrong time can cost you big time. Number four on this list of scary truths is that, you know, a lot of the times as investors, because of fear, because of doubt, we're going into a time, we're actually currently in a time like this right now. I would say so. You know, with this election coming up, uh, you have just a lot of people that are concerned, should I take all my money out of the market, you know, at this time? And I think, you know, it, it depends upon the individual investor, what works best for them. But it's always, uh, it's always good to keep a level head and to reach out to a financial professional. And if you're somebody that hasn't done that, you can reach out to us at 636-239-5000. We are Cornerstone Financial Consultants in Washington, Missouri. 
And I think the other thing that needs to be considered is just understanding your time horizon on your money. One of the scariest things we see is when people don't fully understand their own risk tolerance and they actually underestimate the time horizon that they're going to need on that money. And our general rule of thumb is that if an investor has any short-term need, which we usually define as three years or less, that money should not be invested in equity investments if they're going to need that money quickly. Right. And that money should instead be invested in safer, short-term options that don't have as much volatility. Last point before I get your take on all this, Ron, is instead what we see is that on occasion an investor does one of the worst things. They actually panic sell when the market is at a low to really guarantee themselves that they're going to sell that investment at a loss, which is really we're on this Halloween 2020 scariest episodes. One of the scariest parts, you know, on our Halloween edition is that they're actually limiting the ability for that fund or that company to rebound, to recapture some of those gains that were lost. And, you know, how can we be confident that that's going to happen? You know, we look back at what has historically happened in the market. Ron, can you think of any hypothetical scenarios where people have actually used their money well over a long period of time? Well, it's it's the easiest thing to do is to get out of the market. And that's, uh, you know, and, and there are times, Sean, when that makes perfect sense. I'm not yeah. going to negate that at all and, and not going to and not going to deny that. Sometimes it is the right thing to do. You know, my, October has not been a very investor friendly month yeah. in, in the overall market history. But 1987 it was October. And uh, we had an absolutely horrible, horrible uh, few days in, uh, in 1987 in October. And Ron, I know that you had a good friend who gave you some advice about pulling out your investments at the bottom. Do you mind sharing that? And he said, no, Ron, don't do that. He said, this is the world's worst time. Hmm. And I thought, well, you know, this is insanity. Why would I want to wait? Well, you know what? And he said something that was very telling to me. He said, if you give this two months by the end of the year, he said, I'm going to just about tell you. He said, and I can't guarantee this. And that's the one thing. We can't make guarantees in our business because the market is not only an unknown, but it's an unknowable. But uh, he made the comment to me. He said, I I believe that if you wait until the end of the year, you're going to be back where you started from. In other words, it'll recover. And I had some doubts. I thought he was a crazy person. <laughs> but I stayed with him because I trusted him and I believed in him. And what he's told me in the past had always made sense. And you know what? He was absolutely spot on. Wow. We got to the end of that year, to the 31st of, uh, 31st of December, and uh, the account was almost back. In fact, probably a little ahead of where, where it was, uh, you know, when we had the big hit in, in October. And uh, I've not seen that one time, but I've seen that nearly every time. Wow. Sometimes that recovery yeah. takes a little longer, but it always happens because that's the overall nature of a market. And that's incredible perspective, and that's something that I think a lot of people need to have on their minds going into this time of uncertainty, of continued uncertainty, even after the election. Now, the fifth truth today the, of the scary truths of investing <laughs> is not investing for the long term could be the biggest risk of all. Now, the last point we'll make, Ron, is that any investment that promises investors to get rich in a short period of time is almost always too good to be true. And if that happens in the investing world, there's usually a lot of luck involved or honestly, probably some illegal activity that should be investigated. You know, at Cornerstone, we tend to rely on investments that we have put through our investment selection process that we believe will do the best job for our clients over a long period of time. You know, the fifth scary truth of not investing, or in this case, investing the wrong time, 
is that the wrong mindset or the lack of research on the front end can end up costing investors much more in the long term. So, Ron, do you have any final thoughts on that topic or on our show today? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I've got a lot of topics. To begin with, the uh, the example of early investing in your 40s and your 30s and the 20s, I think it's a perfect example of what long-term investing is all about and how it can take take the uncertainty out of the market into uh, into uh, an area where you actually have positive growth and you can see the progress that you're making through the years. So once again, and you know, we beat this drum and we beat it often, is that start early and stay disciplined with it. Uh, I think the other thing is, is that uh, at a 20-year, a 45-year investment uh, scenario for a 20-year-old at $300 a month, nets over $2 million. And here's the one thing that people are very shy of talking about. You don't hear it much from the banking industry. You don't hear it enough from our industry. Those are inflated numbers. 45 years, a dollar today is not going to be the same value as a dollar 45 years from now. What was the value of a dollar in 45 years? Well, I can tell you it's not going to be a dollar and 10 cents. It's probably going to be more like 65 cents. So the point is this. The cost of living life like life goes on and you have to continue to figure on it. We don't talk enough about it, but it's a very, very, very dangerous enemy in the investment business. And as far as you're preparing for your future and the income you're going to have when you finally do retire and you want to live a decent life in retirement, the cost of living is something that you have to consider. The market itself with a, just figuring an 8% Return and you know we've talk, talked about this in full disclosure. It's probably a little under what the average market return is, but anyway, it's always best to un, under promise and over deliver. But uh, uh, these are numbers that are historically accurate and correct. But here again, in our business, uh, the market is not only unknown but it's unknowable, and we can't guarantee these numbers. But historically, this is the way things have always worked out. Absolutely, absolutely. And to wrap up my thoughts on our episode today, too the five scary truths of not investing. You know, I'm in a a younger stage in my life and there's a lot of clients that have come to me recently that have had, you know, a couple different scenarios going on. They're just getting out of school or they're getting started early in life and they have a good amount of debt. And this is going to be something we're going to talk about on a later podcast, which is, you know, if I have this uh, really big burden, this debt that's kind of hanging over my head, what do I do? How do I pay this off while also still trying to decide how to invest at the same time. Sure. It takes great discipline, Sean. That's what it comes down to. Very much so. Very much so. And so whether it's with deciding to lock yourself into a really long-term mortgage, which we're seeing low to, or low interest rates with mortgages right now, or the second thing that we're having to try to consider as financial advisors are people that just have big, uh, substantial amounts of student loans. Mm-hmm. And how do you balance that? You know, right. And I think some of the scary truths of not investing when you're in a situation like that, that you have a ton of debt... I know some of the times we've talked about Dave Ramsey and Dave Ramsey's principles on this podcast before, mm-hmm. and he's a big pay off your debt as early as possible yes. while also attacking, he actually says, the smallest debts first to kind of build up that behavioral right. you know, a, a right. habit of paying those off over a long period of time. And after a lot of analysis, we've actually encouraged a lot of our younger investors to make payments on those student loans over a long period of time but put some, something towards investing yes. so you at least have some money working for you. By the time you get that debt paid off, you're not starting from ground zero. Exactly right. You've been allowing that compound interest to work 
over a long period of time, Ron. So I don't know if you have any differing thoughts. Oh, no, I, I don't. I, I, I would say this is that student debt is, uh, is something that I think we're going to live with. <clears throat> Young people are going to particularly going to live with this for many, many years. It, uh, it's, it's not a completely new phenomenon, but it's, it's, it's fairly new to this, uh, to this younger generation uh, because of the cost of education. And, uh, mm. uh, but I think an education is still uh, the value. I think f- yeah. for the money invested, I think it's a great value because it opens doors for you that, that without a college education or a, a trade education would not be available to you. And after all, these are things that you do in preparation for the for the living or the avocation of the profession you're going to have for a lifetime, and it's very much worth it, even though there is some expense to it. Now, having said that, I do know from uh, being a young person at one time, and not so much now, <laughs> but, but no. uh, d- debt is not a friendly thing to to most mm. to most human beings. It can do some really really strange and bad things, and and uh, you want to eliminate that debt and keep the debt as low as you can. And uh, try to try to get debts paid off just as quickly as you possibly can, and at the same time be disciplined enough to put some money back every pay period mm. for yourself. I mean, a, a debt on on student loans or any other debt is uh, is something that you've incurred. You've received a benefit, at least you hope that we hope that you have, and it has to be paid back. But do that in a wise in a wise way. But also don't ignore the personal discipline of putting money away for your future. So at some time, some point in time, when you no longer have debts, uh, no mortgage, no student loan, uh, and you're, you're debt-free, that you also have a portfolio that you can look towards retirement and say, hey, I see the goal line where I am. You know, I might be on the 20-yard line, but I can see the goalpost where <laughs> I'm standing. Because it, it helps you as a person to not get that defeated feeling of, uh, because life can get on to you and you have to, you have to build those rewards in. And I think, in my opinion, saving and investing is one of those rewards. It's not something that really costs you. It's a, it's a benefit and something that you can do joyfully. A hundred percent. And one of the other last points that I have about investing over a long period of time is you're building a skill set. You're building an ability to provide for your family in a situation that just a regular savings account would not allow for an individual to do. Exactly and right. I think when you listen back to this podcast, if somebody does so, they can really thoroughly understand how wise it is to get started at such a young age. Yes. And the other thing, Sean, is that, that most, you know, if if life takes a normal course that it does for most folks, at some point in time you you find that just right person and you marry, mm. and then you have kids. And I think this is something in your investing style and your discipline in investing and how you handle your expenses. And being a good example to your kids, I think, is something that uh, is very, very necessary. I think my generation is probably laid up a little short, and I think we fail to teach our kids some of the, the finer points of investing and how to live a successful life and and uh, to save and uh, and accumulate some things so that we can pass on. But I also think it's also a good teaching method for our kids, something we can pass on to our children. A hundred percent. And we're going to wrap up our show a little differently today, Ron. So the reason for the podcast and the real heart behind all of our message messages lies in the gospel. We believe that God sent his only son, Jesus, to this world with the message of good news. The good news is that we as humans do not need to earn our way into heaven. Instead, we need to repent of the current way that we live, living for ourselves in our own personal glory, and instead choose to invite Jesus into our lives and to follow his word, what we believe to be truth. 
Ultimately, we believe that Jesus, after living a perfect life here on earth, was put to death for no other reason other than saying he was the Son of God, thus being put to death for our sins, which he knew was going to happen. And again, the good news of the gospel is of Jesus is something that we did nothing to earn. It was a free gift from God. We know that after Jesus died, we believe he rose again three days later, appearing to those on earth who had deserted him before his death, ultimately ascending back into heaven. And after Jesus ascended back into heaven, we, re- we receive what Jesus called the Holy Spirit to guide our lives and decision-making. And we now have the freedom to live for God, bringing glory to God as a response to the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. We wholeheartedly believe that we were all created to do good works, rooted in truth, what we know to be God's word, driven by love with this newfound freedom as a response to that good news. Thank you so much for listening today to the Journey Mindset Podcast. You can be sure to connect with us at thejourneymindset.com or reach out to us at 636-239-5000 if you'd like to learn more about what you just heard or if you'd also like to speak on what we finished our podcast with today, which was the gospel. And uh, just a big thanks for tuning in today. Our goal is to always know, get to know your particular situation, and we love being on 99.9 KFAV.